are listening to True Crime Twins, a true crime podcast hosted by Chloe and Melina Cantor. True Crime Twins is distributed by Glassbox Media and is part of the Crawlspace Media family. Welcome back to True Crime Twins, where we use our backgrounds in criminology and medicine to bring you crime stories each week. I'm Chloe. And I'm Melina. Thank you so much for joining us for another week of true crime. Today, we will be discussing the ongoing saga of the Murdoch family and all of the crimes that have occurred in the wake of the ultimate arrest of the patriarch of the family, Alec. This is a South Carolina family. I don't know if that's how the name Alex is typically pronounced down there or if that's just how he pronounces it. But every media source calls him Alec Murdoch. He is the heir of a pretty prominent legal dynasty in what they call the low country of South Carolina, which is essentially the rural stretch of the state in Hampton and Colleton County. His grandfather and great-grandfather all held the very prestigious role as the county solicitor which in northern states would be the district attorney. So they were the prosecutors. That chain ended with Alec, who still was a lawyer, but he went into a private firm that was started by his family. Everything seemed pretty great with the Murdoch family. Alec was married to a pretty woman named Maggie Murdoch, and they had two boys, Paul and Buster. Alec and his sons both had the signature red hair that was so prominent in their family. Their legacy has since been tarnished. Ever since the spring of 2021, everything just started going down the drain for Alec Murdoch. His law firm, which, as I said, was founded by his family, started to suspect that he was stealing money. They were pressuring him to explain how certain money had been moved Apparently, one of his partners saw a check that was supposed to be made out to the law firm made out to a now-to-be-known erroneous account called the Forge account. And Alec had a good relationship with Palmetto State Bank and had this fake account to move the money for his own benefit. He has stolen an estimated $8 million from his clients. Why on earth would somebody need that much money? It's hard to say because he had family money and, of course, was a successful attorney. There shouldn't have been any need for such illicit activity. He explains himself now by saying that he had a completely uncontrolled, decades-long opioid addiction. So not only was his law firm questioning where all this money was going, but the Murdoch family was being sued by a woman named Renee Beach for wrongful death. In February of 2019, Mallory Beach, her boyfriend Anthony Cook, his cousin Connor Cook, Connor's girlfriend Miley Altman, Paul Murdoch, and his girlfriend Morgan Dowdy, all under the age of 21, went on a night out. Paul had used his older brother Buster's driver's license to purchase a large amount of alcohol from a local gas station who was also named in the lawsuit in the wrongful death of Mallory Beach for selling him this alcohol. 
they go to a party which apparently wasn't serving alcohol but of course they had alcohol in the cooler in the boat they then took the boat to Beaufort South Carolina so Paul and Connor could visit a bar and take lemon drop shots the rest of the group was not interested so they waited around by the marina for the two to come back when Paul came back he was in a very drunken state he apparently had neurological tells when he was severely drunk he had odd movements with his hand and his behavior was very erratic and violent apparently his friends nicknamed this version of Paul as Timmy in the surveillance footage of them walking by the marina you can see Paul is being confrontational he's yelling at everybody particularly his girlfriend and they all board the boat together and drive off. It's my understanding that what ensues next is that Paul is acting belligerently drunk and he's fighting with his girlfriend, which turns physical and demeaning, and he even spits on her. He starts driving the boat recklessly without regard for anybody else's life and then crashes, correct? Yes, he slapped his girlfriend, he pushed his girlfriend to the ground and spit on her, according to all of the survivors on the boat. Everybody is yelling at Paul, telling him to stop. I believe Connor even offers to take over as the driver of the boat. Paul refuses, you know, it's my fucking boat. He's screaming at them. He apparently takes off his clothes, except for his underwear. And as they're yelling at him, in retaliation, pulls the throttle of the boat. It's pitch dark at this point. There's insufficient lighting. You really shouldn't be driving a boat at a fast speed at all in the dark. But the speed that he was going was extremely dangerous and reckless. He drove into a bridge and himself and Mallory Beach were both ejected from the boat. Paul emerges from the other side and comes back onto the land. Mallory is missing leaving the four others on the boat absolutely terrified about their friend's fate. Connor Cook had a broken jaw. Morgan Dowdy had, I believe, a very injured leg that was bleeding profusely. And they're all screaming, Mallory, Mallory. Mallory's parents are called and drive up to the bridge and just watch as searchers are diving into the water trying to find their daughter, likely knowing that it's too late and she's already dead. Mallory Beach's body was found a week later, five miles away from the spot of the crash. She died of blunt force trauma to the head and drowning. So to me, that sounds like she didn't die right away. It sounds like she was gravely injured and then suffered by drowning. Right. Perhaps when she was ejected from the boat or before she was ejected from the boat, she hit her head in a traumatic injury and then drowned because that injury prevented her from saving herself in swimming. In the immediate aftermath of the accident, Mallory's boyfriend is screaming at Paul, right? Body cam footage was released. A police officer had pulled him aside and brought him into his cruiser to just talk to him because, of course, he's extremely distraught. His girlfriend's gone. So you hear the whole conversation. And he goes, do you know Alec Murdoch? And the police officer said something like, yeah, uh, I've heard the name. He goes, that's his son. Good luck which is a pretty ominous foreshadowing of what was to come because even he knew at that time that if you were a Murdoch, you would get away with anything. And 
you were not expected to adhere to the rules. And if you broke them, you got away with it. And anybody that tries to hold you accountable, they're the ones that get in trouble. That's how powerful the Murdochs are. And we can't see it, but apparently he smiles or does something towards Anthony Cook, which enrages him. And he said, my girlfriend is gone and you're fucking laughing, which anybody would have a reaction to that, to something so callous. When everybody was brought to the hospital after one of the ER nurses said that Paul was the most arrogant kid that she ever had the displeasure of having to deal with in the emergency room. He was horrible to staff and initially refused to take a blood alcohol test. And once he did, it was triple the limit. I wonder if he even remembers that night at all or if he was that much of a seasoned drunk before even being, what, 20 years old, that that's just like a normal weekend night for him to be that obliterated. All of the survivors were deeply traumatized. They describe his girlfriend as being in a state where she's at one moment making a joke that the paramedic is hot and then starting to cry and worry about her friend, which is very typical trauma response. She probably was having trouble processing the whole thing. The hospital staff noticed that Alec Murdoch arrives to the hospital. There's some talk that he smelled of booze that he was visiting each and every survivor and encouraging them not to tell law enforcement who was driving and other critical details. The hospital staff that was with the girlfriend at the time, Morgan, said that her affect as soon as Alec came into her room was extremely anxious and uncomfortable. He was apparently also heard telling his son Paul, she's gone, don't worry about her. He's not subtle enough to like have a quiet conversation with his kid because they're just both ridiculous and out of control. Yeah, it seemed to be a good old boy system that had been functioning very well and successfully for many generations. Even though everybody knew about it, it wasn't enough to try to stop them. The times got ahead of them a little bit and they became unable to read the room. And the conditioning of each generation of Murdoch boys made it so they were so out of touch that they couldn't even understand how other people were viewing them. So the public criticized law enforcement for the delayed arrest of Paul Murdoch in the death of Mallory Beach. But on what would have been Mallory's 20th birthday, on April 18th, 2019, Paul was charged with three felony counts of boating under the influence. Charges included causing the death of Mallory Beach, and seriously injuring two other passengers, he pleaded not guilty to all charges. Something that is worth noting was he was never formally booked. When the media asked for a mugshot, I think court officers sent them a photo that was taken right outside of the courthouse on an iPhone. So did Mr. Paul ever answer to these charges? Did he ever have the chance? No, he didn't. And why is that? Over a year ago, Paul and his mother Maggie, who were 22 and 52 at the time, were murdered outside their hunting lodge in Islandton, South Carolina, which is in Carlton County. They were both shot several times. Their bodies were discovered by Alec Murdoch, who made a hysterical 911 call where he said things such as, I've been up to it now. He said, my wife and child are shot real bad. Paul was shot in the chest and in the head, actually through his shoulder, 
with a shotgun right in the doorway of the outdoor kennels which housed the hunting dogs. Maggie was found a short distance away. She had been shot five times with an assault-style weapon. So they were shot with different guns? Yes. And is it presumed that they were shot one after the other or had time passed? I believe the exact timeline is unknown. I would imagine that the first shots of whoever was targeted first alerted the other. And perhaps they came out trying to investigate and then were subsequently attacked. Were the weapons ever traced? That also remains to be seen. They've kept a lot close to the chest. The reason why we're discussing this now is because this week, starting on Monday, jury selection has begun in the trial of Alec Murdoch, who has been arrested for the murders of his wife and son. He is not facing the death penalty, but rather life in prison. He has pleaded not guilty and has repeatedly stated that a killer is on the loose. Prosecutors are stating that they believe the motive was to distract from his impending financial and personal ruin by gaining sympathy if his wife and son were murdered. Notably, the law firm that had very recently started to suspect his wrongdoing had actually posted a reward for the capture of whoever was responsible for the murder. So perhaps this solicitation for sympathy, as the prosecutors believe, was successful. Also, just a few days prior, in civil proceedings regarding Mallory Beach, the family's attorney, Mark Tinsley, had requested detailed financial records for Alec Murdoch, which would have inevitably shown his criminal behavior. So prosecutors believe this was a stalling tactic. I do think there could have been a level of anger there, too, that it wasn't just a cold-blooded crime to distract. I think... Paul was causing a whole lot of problems for Alec. He was probably angry with him and believed him to be responsible for what was about to happen to him as far as his being exposed. Of course, Paul was his responsibility. That's his son. That's the person that he helped raise. And he's still quite young at this point. He was only 22 years old and younger at the time of Mallory Beach's death. If Paul was a belligerent young man with an uncontrolled drinking problem, who was unable to take any responsibility for his actions, perhaps Alec Murdoch should have looked inward on his own role in that outcome, rather than blaming it all on Paul. There were also rumors that Alec was having an affair with a work colleague, and that Maggie was also starting to become suspicious of the financial situation. She had apparently written a check to donate at a fancy charity event and the check bounced which caused her great humiliation and according to people who knew maggie murdoch her status meant everything to her and something like that probably would have caused a huge fight between her and her husband with her likely demanding an explanation as to what was going on and maybe in the past she had wanted to know what was going on with her finances and she was dismissed. She stayed at home with the children. She did have a housekeeper, too, who helped raise the children, but she didn't work. That was Ellick's purview. He likely shut her down. Not to speculate too far, but we know that Paul was physically abusive towards his girlfriend in his late teens. Where did he learn that from? 
it's possible that Alec was physically abusive towards Maggie Murdoch as well. Perhaps they were getting to a point where she was getting fed up with the secrecy. Plus, he's a moron. He acted like he was all smart, but it was really just because of privilege where he was able to get the level of success and wealth that he had. I'm sure that he would have given himself away if he truly was having an affair and everything would have been hers. And now a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Alec has since been disbarred as an attorney, rightfully so. He did not contest that decision. Something notable that happened was the untimely death of that housekeeper that I just referenced. Her name was Gloria Satterfield. She had apparently taken a fall down the front brick stairs of the Islandton hunting property where Maggie and Paul were later found dead and hit her head. The 911 call that Maggie Murdoch placed was later released to the public. She was emotionless, almost sounded a little bit arrogant, irritated by the questions that the dispatcher was asking, which in my opinion were more than reasonable to try to get a gauge of the situation. At one point, she handed the phone to Paul, who was even more arrogant and disrespectful. Ma'am, why are you asking all these questions? Just obnoxious. We're asking all these questions because we're trying to save this woman's life who helped raise you and you called her Go-Go since you were a little boy. So why don't you answer the damn questions? They don't value human life. It's this attitude that anybody that's not one of them, they just don't matter. When Alec became involved, the story became that maybe she had tripped over the dogs and fell down the stairs. Gloria lived for a little while and was in the hospital, but she eventually succumbed to complications related to the fall. Alec encouraged Gloria's family to sue him for wrongful death and had them do so in Hampton County rather than Culleton County where the death actually happened. He said that he'd get them a good settlement as a result. But what actually happened was Alec stole the money for himself, even though one of Gloria Satterfield's sons was facing eviction, and Alec knew that. This is, and most everything that we're discussing has been uncovered by the amazing journalism of Mandy Matney. She has an excellent podcast that I highly recommend called The Murdoch Murders. She has been tireless and relentless and should be considered a hero just because she has been completely unwilling to just be quiet. She wants to shine a light on these corrupt systems, the good old boy systems, as she likes to say. And that means a lot to me and to a lot of people who have been harmed by systems like these, where there's no accountability and anyone that is in power and has connections is just let off the hook at every turn. And not in Mandy's world. She's done a lot of work. She even requested all of the prison calls that Alec has placed, which have been very revealing about his mindset and the way that he handles certain situations. In another effort to evade responsibility, Alec did something absolutely insane. In September of 2021, I guess his law firm was done feeling sympathetic toward him because of the murders of his wife and son. Maybe they even started to suspect him themselves. But they again confronted him to explain the misconduct. So the very next day after this confrontation on September 4th, 2021, Murdoch calls the police and says he's been shot. And this is 
kind of when I started to fall into this rabbit hole because I did hear about the murders of Maggie and Paul. But then to hear that Alec Murdoch was shot, I was like, someone is trying to take this family out, which is exactly, I think, what he wanted people to think. He was on a rural road changing a flat tire and he said someone drove by and shot him in the head. He spoke perfectly coherently. Apparently the bullet just grazed him. Surveillance footage from a nearby church helped piece the true story, which was that he had been on the side of the road with a distant cousin and former client and a believed criminal accomplice in some of his embezzlement schemes. Curtis Eddie Smith, who went by Eddie, Ellick admitted to a fraudulent scheme, an insurance fraud scheme, where Eddie would apparently shoot him, kill him, so that the death would be classified a murder and not a suicide. And Buster, his surviving son, would be able to collect a $10 million life insurance policy. Eddie says that Ellick called him asking for help with roadside assistance. He came to find Ellick in a very agitated state, waving the gun around, saying he was going to kill himself. The two struggled over the gun and the gun went off and Eddie just ran away because he was scared. Who knows what really happened, but both of them were charged with assisted suicide and insurance fraud. This dirtbag tried to say that he was trying to get insurance money to benefit his surviving son is such a crock of shit. That's not why. So why did he do it? Sympathy, maybe. Maybe. He's like, people don't believe me, so they'll believe me if I get shot in the head. I don't know. He was like, I'll either survive and everybody will feel sorry for me and believe me, or I'll die and I'll escape all of this bullshit and I'll get high in hell. Yes, I think the primary goal of that was to detract from anybody that was suspecting him of any involvement in the murders of his wife and son to make it seem like someone was just after the family. And that coincides with the narrative that he pushed to law enforcement who first responded to the murders of his family members who said this has to have something to do with the boat crash, implying that it was one of the survivors or their family members who had, in retaliation for Paul's role in Mallory Beach's death, killed them. That was investigated, by the way. I believe that they did investigate and alibi everybody who was involved in the boat crash and even collected DNA from them. It had been leaked to Fitz News, where Mandy Matney previously worked, but now she works on her own because she had a problem with the editor-in-chief, that a forensic expert determined there was high-velocity impact spatter on the t-shirt that Alec Murdoch was wearing. He had claimed that he was visiting his mother, who has advanced dementia or had advanced dementia. I don't know if she is still alive. And she was apparently accompanied by a nurse's aide. At the time of the murders, this has apparently been refuted by video evidence. Paul had been housing a dog belonging to one of his friends in the kennels and was taking a video on Snapchat of his friend's dog to send to his friend because I'm sure his friend wanted to know how his dog was doing. And it has been reported, and I'm sure we'll learn more once jury selection is done and the trial commences, that you could hear Maggie and Ellick talking in the background at the time where Alec claims he wasn't there. This is significant because it places him at the crime scene at the time that he specifically said he was not there. Alec also has a very distinctive voice that would be really difficult to 
say, no, that wasn't me. It's very high-pitched. He almost sounds like a woman. So what finally got him arrested? Well, he was first arrested when he facilitated that assisted suicide scam. But what about the murders? What finally got him arrested for the murders? Alec was arrested over a year after the murders of Maggie and Paul. And I don't know what eventually pushed the investigation over the edge. I think that remains to be seen. All of the incriminating evidence that I'm aware of, I've already described. I imagine and certainly hope for the sake of securing a conviction that there is more. I think that it is potentially a smoking gun that Paul possibly got him on Snapchat I know it's so classic out of touch person. He probably did not even expect that. He probably had no idea that Paul was even recording a Snapchat. How would he have known that? The cell phones of Paul and Maggie were both after they were shot. Apparently there was a bloody stain in one of Paul's pockets, which was presumably left by the killer grabbing the phone. Maggie's phone was apparently found like on the side of the road, maybe like pitched out the window or something. In light of all of these charges, the state police have also reopened an investigation into the 2015 death of 19-year-old Stephen Smith, who was found dead with severe blunt force injuries to his head along the road about 10 miles from the Murdoch home. It was initially assumed that it was a hit-and-run accident and that he was hit by a truck. This was doubtful. For a number of reasons, one of them being that typically when someone is hit by a car, their shoes fall off from the force and Stephen Smith's shoes were on. Stephen Smith was the pretty much only openly gay young man in that area. It's a pretty typical homophobic culture down there. And he was subjected to a lot of marginalization and bullying as openly gay men are. His car was found out of gas on the side of the road. He drove a very distinctive yellow car. It's possible that he ran out of gas and was walking possibly to find gas or to find somebody to help him. And the wrong people came across him. And it's been long rumored that the Murdoch boys had something to do with it. Buster Murdoch was named several times in the investigation. And I believe it was at the time investigated by like the highway patrol or something not even by the police one of the relatives of Alec Murdoch had apparently inserted himself into that investigation almost immediately to see if he could assist in some way and now people are seeing that as you know why was he doing that and perhaps it was to muddy the waters because he knew that one of those boys was involved so SLED which is the South Carolina law enforcement division has now reopened this investigation We will see if any developments will come from that unsolved case. And we'll be eager to see what unfolds in this trial, which is now commencing. The second day of jury selection has finished. And at the time of this episode posting, day three should start. And once the jury is secured, opening statements will begin. And we will know exactly what the state knows about what evidence is currently had incriminating Alec Murdoch in the murders of his own wife and son. 